Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. so glad to be together today. My name is Abdiel. If we have not, man, I'd love the opportunity to meet you. I'm the young adults pastor here uh, at Victory. And uh, before I jump into the message, I just want to take a few moments and thank our lead pastor, Pastor John, for giving me the opportunity to get to share in our season of strength. Also want to uh, thank Pastor Oscar for the opportunity as well for trusting me up here uh, with, with the mic. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 1, so I'll give you a few seconds uh, to get there. We're going to read uh, really an amazing story, one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And we're going to start in verse 1, then we're going to skip to verse 6 and read all the way to verse 15. So there's a, quite a bit of Scripture uh, so we're going we're gonna to read this together, and we're going to ask the Lord to just speak to us today. Amen? All right, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1 says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, or his armor bearer, he said to him, Come and let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Verse 6, it says, Jonathan said to the young man, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. For, and, this, and the armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. And then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will go up, for we know that the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. For, for, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they were hiding. Verse 13 excuse me, verse 12, and the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan, and he said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Verse 13, then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. And then, and in that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, they killed about 20 men within, as it were, a half a furrow's length of an acre of a land. And there was a panic in the enemy camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Typically, when we get up here and when we share a message, uh, we like to talk about the main character of the story or the main character that the passage of Scripture talks about. And in this particular passage, that main character is Jonathan. But this morning, we want to focus on the unnamed character. 
So the title of my message this morning is The Armor Bearer's Strength. The strength to follow Jesus when it doesn't make sense. The armor bearer's strength. The strength to follow Jesus when it doesn't make sense. Can you pray with me and just ask the Lord to just teach us something new today? Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is alive, it is active, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, God, I pray that your word would pierce deeply into our hearts this morning and that you would speak to us in a mighty way that we wouldn't leave this place the same way we came in, but that we would leave transformed, God, by the, by the truth of your word and by the power of your presence. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you ask the question or a similar question to this, how did I end up here? You ever been there? Raise your hand so I, so I, like, you know, I don't like to feel like I'm alone, okay? How did I end up here? I remember when I was in college, I had a friend who invited me to go to a concert with him one time. And if you know me, you know that I'm, 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 I'm a creature of habit. I'm, I, I like to stick to kind of the same things. I, I'm, you know, I'm the type of person that just enjoys the normal everyday life things. Uh, I, I don't really venture out much. I mean, I'm, I, I like trying new experiences. I like trying new things every once in a while. But typically, I like to just kind of, you know, stay in my lane, okay? And so going to a concert wasn't really my thing, but this was a, a friend who I actually enjoyed hanging out with. So I took him up on it. Uh, he paid for the ticket, he took me with him, and I've, I've, I've always enjoyed music. I'm not like a huge music person, but I've enjoyed music. I like all sorts of music. I love, you know, worship music, Christian music. Uh, you know, I, I love hip-hop music. There's, there's really only a couple of genres of music that I, that I just really don't vibe with, okay? One of those is country music, okay? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know, I know. Don't know what to tell you, okay? Maybe I'll get there one day, but today is not that day, all right? There's another genre of music that I, that I really just, just can't get into either, and that is that, like, you know, heavy metal rock, like, death metal stuff that, like, you can't even understand what they're just throwing up the whole time, like, bah! you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, what, you need to go to a hospital, man. I can't do it. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't do it. Well, what I didn't know is that this concert that he invited me to was a screamo concert, like heavy metal rock concert. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, but this is not like any other experience that I've ever had in my life, okay? Like, I'm, you, you walk in, and the first thing you see is this thing called a mosh pit. Y'all know what a mosh pit is? <laughs> Y'all are crazy. <laughs> see, I thought... I thought, you know, my little, my, you know, in, in my little, you know, uh, uh, mind, I thought that a mosh pit, okay, I grew up, you know, I, I went to youth group and stuff, and I thought the mosh pit was like, we're all dancing and happy and having fun, and everyone's jumping around smiling, okay? This is not what an actual mosh pit is. You get to this show, and you walk in, and all you see is several hundred people crowded together in the middle of this room, and they're like going at it. I mean, throwing elbows, punches shoving each other, like, I, I, I kid you not, within the first five minutes, I'm not exaggerating, the first five minutes of this show, this guy walks across my face and his nose is bleeding profusely because somebody must have elbowed him or something. I, 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 don't, I don't know what was going on, okay? I was highly confused. I was terrified. I, I, I look at my friend and he says to me, he says, hey, but dude, you gotta get in there. He's like, I'm not getting in there. 
there's no way that I'm gonna get in there. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go up to the balcony where it's safe and I know that I'm gonna get back home tonight, okay? That's where I'm gonna hang out for the rest of this show. But, but I found myself in that moment asking the question, how did I get here? This is not my normal scene, okay? Like this is not, I, I, this is not something that I would choose to do willingly. Like this is not me. And I think life has a crazy way of getting us to a place where we ask ourselves that same question. How did I get here? How did I get here? Maybe you look at your family situation right now and you're asking yourself, how did I get here? Maybe you look at your financial situation and every time you look at your bank account, you ask yourself the question, how did I get here? Or maybe you look at the dynamic of your marriage or your home life and your relationship with your kids and it's almost as if you don't know who each other are at this point and you ask yourself the question, how did I get here? And I don't think the issue is that we ask those questions. I think it's actually a very normal, healthy thing to do to contemplate those things and to think deeply about the, the matters of life and the complexities of our world. The, the, the thing that we struggle with is that in the midst of those questions, the concept of following Jesus becomes more challenging and less clear. Like, how do I follow Jesus when I try my hardest every single day, but it seems like my family situation is still broken? How do I follow Jesus when it seems like the world that I live in tries to convince me every single day through all sorts of outlets that I'm actually better off without him and I can go do my own thing? How do I follow Jesus in a world, in a culture that tells me that I can define things like sexuality for myself outside of the parameters that God has established? How do I follow Jesus in that world when that sounds so great and enticing? How do I follow Jesus in a society that not only sees Christianity as an inconvenience but as a potential threat to the progression of society? How do I follow Jesus? How do I raise my kids? How do I, how do, I do life? What does this mean? What, is this, what does this look like? How did I get here? And I think we can relate to somebody like the armor bearer in this story. You see, because in the previous chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Israelites find themselves in the opposite of this kind of situation. You see, Jonathan had actually just led a, a military victory for the Israelites. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And King Saul, the problem with King Saul was that he was actually chosen by the people to be the king, not by God. He was not appointed by God. He was appointed by people to be the king. They wanted a king and they chose King Saul. So what does King Saul do when his son, Jonathan, wins this victory? King Saul decides to take credit for the victory himself. And it's in this moment that we begin to see the downward spiral of King Saul's, of King Saul's uh, 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 career. It's in this moment where we see him make a sacrifice, disobeying the, the command of the prophet Samuel. And he makes a sacrifice that he's in no place to make. And it's in this moment, fire alarm's going off, wow. That was a squirrel moment. Anyway, it's in this moment where we see Saul and his career begin to take a downward spiral. And what happens is that Saul 
God begins to release the anointing of leadership off of Saul. It's in this moment where we find the famous line in scripture that God is begin, beginning to seek a man after his own heart. You guys, you guys ever heard that? God is seeking a man after his own heart. And when we hear that phrase, when we hear that, when we hear that scripture, we automatically attribute that to King David, which is fine because King David was a man after God's own heart. But if you look at the original language, this statement could actually be translated a man after God's own choosing. And so what that means is that it doesn't, have, it doesn't always have to do with what the person did. See, we think that David was chosen by God because, it, because of what he did, because of his character, because of his nature. But what if God chose him just simply because God chose him? And it was a man of his choosing. And so what we don't realize is that there's actually a massive gap between when King Saul and King David reigned. So who was leading Israel in that in-between time? Because God was not going to abandon his people. And so I'm convinced that it's in this moment that as God begins to release the anointing of leadership off of King Saul, he places this anointing of leadership on his son, Jonathan. As a matter of fact, the name Jonathan actually means the one whom Jehovah gave. And so God gives this anointing of leadership to his son, Jonathan, to lead in this moment. Even though he did not have the title of king, he had the influence of a king because when man chooses you, you receive a title. But when God chooses you, you receive influence. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the same way that God chose Jonathan, the prince of Israel in this time, God has chosen a prince to lead you and I. And that prince, his name is still Jesus. That it's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus plus what the world has to offer. It's not Jesus plus my best efforts. His name is still Jesus. Listen, Jesus is still God's choice to lead your life. And I know that the world, the world offers all these different answers and solutions. And, 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 and not all of it is bad. But understand this, that it's still Jesus. It always has been Jesus. It always will be Jesus. The Bible says this, that, that, that everything was made by him, through him, and for him. It's Jesus. Jesus is still God's appointed leader in your life and in my life. It's still all about Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though he may not hold the title of king and lord in everybody's life, we can see the influence that God has anointed him with, the influence to save, the influence to heal, the influence to restore. And where do we see the evidence of that? In your life. We see the evidence of that in my life. We see the influence of the chosen prince of God. Come on, we believe that Jesus is still the one. He's still the one. In the same way that Jonathan was chosen by God, Jesus was chosen by God. I want to remind us today of this, that fullness of life is still found in Jesus. Maybe we forgot. With everything going on in our world and everybody, and everybody, you know, running around trying to find answers and solutions, have we forgotten that in Jesus is still fullness of life? But make no mistake about it, believing in Jesus is simple, but following him will cost you. 
Believing in Jesus is the easy part, but following him will cost you. Believing in Jesus is easy, but raising your kids the way that he wants you to raise them might cost you. Believing in Jesus is easy, but being the employee that he wants you to be, it might cost you. Believing in Jesus is easy, but, but, but being the person that he's called you to be might cost you. It might cost you a relationship. It might cost you your convenience. It might cost you your time. It might cost you your dignity. It, may, it might cost you your need to be approved by all of those around you. So the question that we have to answer today is, is he worth it? Is he worth it? Is Jesus worth following? Is he worth it? Is the cost of this life worth following Jesus to have eternal life? Is he worth it? And so the Israelites, they find themselves in 1 Samuel 13 in victory. And in 1 Samuel 14, they find themselves in vulnerability. And so Jonathan, realizing what's going on, goes over to his armor bearer, and he says, hey, I got an idea. It might be crazy, and we might die, okay? But I got an idea. You see, the Israelites were in such a desperate situation that Jonathan had to resort to this crazy idea. They had no weapons. In fact, the, guess, who, guess who were the ones who produced the weaponry for this region? It was the Philistines. And they had raised the prices so high to where it says that King Saul and Jonathan were the only ones with even a sword. Right, like talk about inflation. So they find themselves so desperate. What are we gonna do? Jonathan says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you and I we go, just the two of us, I know I'm the only one with a weapon, we can go and attack these Philistines and maybe, I don't know, perhaps, God might show up and do something. I don't know. He might, he might not. If I was the armor bearer, okay, let me just give you a glimpse into how I would respond to this crazy idea. If I was the armor bearer, I would have straight up lied to Jonathan's face. I would have said this, same thing that we all say when we don't want to do something. Ah, something came up. I can't make it today, Jonathan. Sorry. Maybe next time. I love, I love the armor bearer's response. He says this. He says, I am with you, heart and soul. I am with you, heart and soul. What does it mean to be with Jonathan, with him, heart and soul? This word... Heart. In the Hebrew, it's the word levav. Everybody say levav. The word heart. Now the word heart in the Hebrew, in the original language, is, is, is not the same word that we use in the English. So when we use the word heart in the English, we often refer to things like a feeling. Or, uh, you know, when you ask for advice, someone, someone might say to you, well, what's in, what's in your heart, right? Like, what is your heart telling you? And so the heart for us is, is something that is, that, is, that is motivated by feelings, right, by emotions. It's a feeling. It's, we describe it as a feeling. Well, what we need to understand is that the Israelites, actually, they had no concept for the brain or, or intellectual activity happening in your mind. And so when Jonathan looks at 
John, or, or when the armor bearer looks at Jonathan and says, I am with you in my heart, he is not talking about a feeling. He's actually describing the intellectual activity that is taking place in his mind to respond to Jonathan in this way. I'll show you the differences in the language. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, this is known as the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Heart, soul, might. If you look at the New Testament in Mark chapter 12, where Jesus quotes the Shema, when he's asked what the greatest commandments are. If you notice, again, the New Testament was written in the Greek, and the Greeks, they had a concept for the mind. So what does Jesus say when he quotes the Shema? He says, and you shall love the Lord with all of your God, with you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, with all of your strength. So the mind wasn't a concept in the Hebrew culture. Any intellectual activity that took place came from the heart, which is why in the Proverbs it says that wisdom flows from the heart. So the armor bearer is looking at Jonathan and he's saying, I am with you and I know I'm with you. I'm not with you because I have the right feeling. I'm not with you because I have some sort of righteous indignation. I'm not with you because there was some stirring. I am with you and I know I'm with you no matter what I am feeling. See, here's the problem is that we have so many Christians that are waiting for the right feeling to follow Jesus into the unknown. When God is so gently but firmly wanting to remind us today that the feeling is not coming. Why? Because I've already sent my son. My son has already spoken. It is finished. And guess what? I've given you a glimpse into the end of the story. He's coming back. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me that I will bring restoration? Will you trust me that I will bring the answers that your heart so desperately longs for? Because we all have questions. We all have frustrations. And we all have these things that we want answered. And God is not concerned so much about answering our questions. He is concerned about our devotion to him. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I am with you in my heart. What does that mean? I, I know what I'm doing. I know the consequences of my decision. I understand what I am doing and saying when I say I am with you with my heart. He says I'm with you with my heart and soul. With you in heart and in soul. What is this word soul? Well, the most common used word for soul in the Old Testament in the Hebrew is the word nephesh. And now... If you translate this in the most literal sense, the word nephesh in the English is actually translated most literally into throat. Yeah, I know it's weird. It's okay to think it's weird. It's a little bit weird, right? Throat, what, is, what does that have to do with my soul? And it's a little weird at first, but as you think about it and as you think deeply about what that actually means, we, we see that the inference is actually about what we consume and what comes out of us. And that what we consume, right? The Bible says that the power in life is, and, and death is in the tongue, meaning what comes out of our mouth. So what we consume will ultimately consume us and will ultimately come out and flow out of us. In fact, the Old Testament teaches that we don't have a nephesh, that we don't have a soul, that we are a living soul. 
So what is, John, is the armor bearer saying to Jonathan in this moment? He's saying that not only am I with you in heart, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm making this decision right now, knowing the consequences. It's not some feeling. But he's also saying that my entire physical existence, the entirety of my being, the inside and the out, is fully devoted to whatever it is that you want me to do. Friends, is this your response to Jesus today? God, the entirety of my being is fully devoted to you, even if it goes against what I'm feeling, even if it goes against what culture says is okay, even if it goes against the things that I face. Lord, my entire being, who I am, all of me is fully devoted to you, Jesus. Is this our response today? I am with you, heart and soul. I am with you, heart and soul. So how do we respond to Jesus, how the armor bearer responded to Jonathan? I want to take the next few moments to talk to us about how we can respond to Jesus, the way in which the armor bearer responded to Jonathan. Because I believe that this is the response that God calls us to have to Jesus every single day. This is our response, and we're not going to be perfect at it. But I think every once in a while we need to be reminded of it. That our allegiance is to Jesus and Jesus alone. And because our allegiance is to Jesus and Jesus alone, we're not always going to have all the answers. We're not always going to have all the solutions when things happen, when problems occur, when, when disasters and chaos take place. We will not always have the answers, but we know that Jesus is still on the throne. And until that becomes good enough, we will continue to walk, walk in despair. We will continue to walk in defeat. We will continue to walk in anxiety and worry until we are okay with the fact that Jesus is on the throne. We will continue to find answers in empty places. We will continue to find meaning in empty places. We will continue to find purpose in things that do not provide or bring life. Have we forgotten that the giver of life is still Jesus? Fullness of life is still found in him. So how can we follow him heart and soul I want you to write this down number one if we want to follow him heart and soul we need a deep knowledge of Jesus we need a deep knowledge of the Son of God the King of glory we need a deep knowledge of Jesus one of the most amazing things about this story for me is the willingness without hesitation of the armor bearer to just say yes to Jonathan now, could you imagine? I would be terrified. Even if I was a trained warrior, the, the armor bearer was a trained warrior. He wasn't just somebody who, who you know, did a mindless task. You gotta be trained if you're gonna be out on the battlefield. And, and I love the, the armor bearer's role. See, he not only would carry the sword and the shield of the officer, but as the officer would go into battle and he would begin to engage with the enemy and with his opponents, the armor bearer would come up behind him and he would finish the kill. It's crazy. But even then, if I was that skilled and if I was that trained, I would still be terrified. Like, dude, I'm about to lose my life. It would be so much easier to just walk away from it. It would be so much easier to just walk away from it all. It would be so much easier to just walk away from Jesus. Because following him just, it seems too hard. Following him is too costly. It would be so much easier. And, and I know that the armor bearer, he was, he was in the army. 
And I know that there's like honor codes and things like that. And you do things because of honor and you do the honorable thing. But there had to have been more than that for him to just say, yes, do it. Whatever you want to do, I'm with you, heart and soul. See, the reason why the armor bearer had such confidence to say, yes, I'm with you, heart and soul, is because he had a deep connection with Jonathan. They had a relationship. How do I know this? When you go into battle with somebody, you grow close with them. I got your back, you've got my back. When you're doing life with somebody every single day, when you are training for battle with somebody, you are growing in closeness with them. You know them, you understand them, you know the things that get to them, you know the things that trigger them, you know the things that make them happy. You understand each other, you know each other. There's a depth to your relationship. There was a closeness. See, the armor bearer knew that Jonathan not only cared about him, but he would probably give his life for him. Listen, he knew that Jonathan would have his back. He knew that Jonathan would protect him. The armor bearer had a deep connection with Jonathan. He knew. He knew him. They knew each other. Do you know the risen Jesus? I'm not asking you if you know about Jesus, because here's the problem. We have too many Christians that come to church every single weekend that are content with knowing about Jesus, but don't really know him. That are content with knowing the things of Jesus, but not really know him deeply. That are content with, with having all of the, the right Christian values and all the right Christian morals, but don't really know him. That are content with even knowing a few Bible verses and hanging them up in their house, but don't really know them. How do I know this? Because if we really knew Jesus, our life would not be the same. Even the small things would change. Even the minuscule things of life would be transformed. Even the ways in which we communicate with people would be transformed. I'm not saying that we would be perfect, but there would be such an awe and reverence that we would walk with, that we would walk with daily, that we'd know Jesus, that we truly know him. Friends, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus today? We need a deep knowledge of Jesus. And I get it, life is life. I don't know why we have the hesitations that we do when it comes to following Jesus and devoting our life to him. You know, uh, life is life. Maybe we don't know what that even means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that even look like? I want to, but I don't know. I wanna raise my kids in a godly way. What does that mean? I, I want to live my life in a way that honors God, fully devoted to Jesus, heart and soul. But what does that mean? What, what does it all mean? We have questions. We have frustrations. And maybe those are the things that, that, are, that are leaving a wall be, between us and getting to know the real Jesus. But you want to know what I love about Jesus is that even in our questioning, even in our struggle, even in our frustration, even in our need to have all the answers and every problem fixed and all broken things mended, even in all those things, he never gets tired of us. He never revokes his invitation to follow him. I love this because all the armor bearer needed was a spoken word invitation from Jonathan. Say the word and I'll go. Say the word and I'm with you, heart and soul. Whatever you want me to do. Is this our response to Jesus? 
Say the word, Lord, and I'll raise my kids this way. Say the word, Lord, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll follow you into the unknown, into the uncertain places, into the uncertainty of life, into the uncertainty of the coming generation where being a Christian is less and less attractive and it looks so much better to be something else. Say the word, Lord, and I'm with you, heart and soul. Is this our response to Jesus today? We need a deep knowledge and an invitation to follow him is first an invitation to know him. Because I don't want to follow anybody I don't know. But when we get to know him, we realize that there's nobody else worth following. There's no other idea worth following. There's no other concept or truth worth following. Because he is the way. He is the truth. We need a deep knowledge of Jesus. Number two, I want you to write this down. His desires must become our desires. His desires must become our desires. I love the NASB translation of 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 7. It says, his armor bearer said to him, do everything that is in your heart. Turn yourself to it, and here I am with you as your heart desires. Here I am with you as your heart desires. I love this because what does this show us? It shows us that there was such a deep connection between Jonathan and his armor bearer that the armor bearer no longer had his own desires, but Jonathan's desires were his desires. My question for us today is, whose desires do you live by? According to whose desires do you live your life by? Yours? The world? Culture, Instagram, the news. Whose desires do you live by? Because we try really hard to fulfill the desires of the world and we remain defeated. And we try really hard to stay true to who we are even though Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, and what do we do? We remain defeated. Whose desires do you live by? Because when you realize the desires that are leading you, you realize why it is that certain things look the way that they do. His desires must become our desires. Listen, I'm here to tell you today that just like Jonathan, our prince climbed a mountain. And that mountain was called Golgotha. And just like Jonathan, on that mountain, our prince won a victory. And that victory was not against flesh and blood. That victory was not against a human opponent. That victory was against death, hell, 
in the grave. Why? So that we wouldn't have to live defeated. So that no matter what we face on this earth, no matter what we face in our family, no matter what we face in our finances, no matter how much pressure we face to turn away from Jesus and turn to other things, no matter all of those things, Jesus won the victory against your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy is not the opposite political party. It's not culture. It's not the world. Your greatest enemy, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus won. So we don't have to remain defeated, but we can walk in the victory that, listen to this, can only be won by him. He already won. Will you allow him to make his desires your desires? I pray that I could get to a place where I realize that his desires are better than mine. As we close, I wanna look at one more passage of scripture in Psalm chapter 37, and it won't be up on the screen, so you can turn to it real quick or, or just listen. Psalm chapter 37, verse four. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think the mistake that we make sometimes when we read this passage or passages like this, we have a tendency to read, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your flesh. Sometimes, man, that would be so much better, at least in my opinion. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delighting yourself in the Lord, where does that start? It comes from a deep knowledge of Jesus. Because you cannot delight in somebody that you don't know. You, you cannot delight in somebody that you have no connection with. It comes from a deep knowledge, a, a true knowing of him. And then as our knowledge of him becomes greater, and it increases, then he becomes more and more the desire of our heart. And all of a sudden, your ambition for more, more money, more status, more accolades, you begin to realize, well, where'd that go? And Jesus looks at you and he will say, I replaced it with myself. your desire to rule over your life, all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, where did that go? And Jesus says, I, I've replaced it with myself. I am the desire of your heart. And I love this because as he becomes the desire of our heart, guess what? His desires now become our desires. This is what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. It doesn't mean that it will feel good all the time. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy all the time. But what it does mean is that the day that Jesus comes back, we will share in the victory that he already won with him forever in the kingdom of God. Is the cost of following Jesus 
for not following Jesus worth eternal life? That's the question that we have to answer. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.